You're listening to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I'm here to help facilitate conversations around what it means to step into your confidence so you can live the life you want, not the one you think you should. Join me as we talk about body and self-acceptance, nutrition, movement, and mindset so that you can uncover what dulls your sparkle so you can shine. With that, let's go to the show. Okay, friends, I'm so excited for today's guest. Oh, you are going to love her. And I know that we have so many moms in the audience. And I just, oh, even if you're not a mom, if you are whoever you are listening today, you are going to walk away feeling so inspired, so motivated, and so like just amazed at the depth that my guest brings to the topic of motherhood. And I am just thrilled to welcome Danielle. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. I am really excited to be here. Thanks, Kim. Oh, seriously. Okay. So as you heard in Danielle's amazing bio, she is a philosophical coach and co-creator of the Think Hard podcast. And I was fortunate enough to get to spend some time with Danielle, what, like two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, we had coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so good. And you blew my mind as far as like just deep thinking what it is to be a mom. And there's, I have so many questions and I feel like there's so much that I want to cover in our short time together. So if it's okay with you, we're just going to dive right in. Sure. Yeah, sounds great. Perfect. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you got to this place of being a philosophical coach. Like, how did you get there? Yeah, that's a it's a good question. Um, so i I was trained as a philosopher in uh, the sort of traditional academic track. I always thought I was going to be a professor of philosophy. I went to grad school. Uh, in Temple University in Philadelphia. And then I taught um, for a year out in a university in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota for a year. And then um, I taught at a school in New York City, which was a cool like college high school hybrid school. But my husband and I were just tired of living in New York. We just want to raise a family there. We just, it wasn't sustainable for us. So we moved out here to Portland and we didn't really know anyone in town. Um, and it was sort of just like this huge leap across the country. And I was five months pregnant when we moved. So oh it was gosh. a really big adventure. Um, and then, yeah, we arrived in, in Portland and, um, I was gonna, you know, I had this idea to turn my dissertation into a book. And so I was sort of writing mm-hmm. Because most people, that's the track that they take is they turn their dissertations into books. Right. Right. Totally normal. Right. Yeah. Well, I thought like that I would be able to do this while having and raising a baby, which was just a ridiculous idea I realize now. But um, (laughs) so yeah, when my daughter was born in November that year um, and things did not go according to plan, Um, Mm. the birth was long and, you know, nothing um, overtly problematic about, about the birth, but, um, it was really the postpartum period that kind of threw me for a loop. I was doing okay for the first couple months. Um, and then I just got into this like crazy cycle of insomnia and anxiety that I just, Mm. you know, the anxiety would lead to insomnia, which would lead more to anxiety. And I just kind of like 
spun out and I just mm. couldn't sleep. And, um, and I think my philosophy brain kind of went on overdrive um, because I started just like really kind of wondering, you know, making all these kind of ridiculous connect connections and then wondering if what was in front of me was real and, and my brain wasn't getting enough sleep. It wasn't, it really like wasn't working correctly. Yeah. So much to the point where like I, I could no longer really discern what was real and what wasn't real. Wow. So that must have that been was, so scary. It was so scary. Yeah, it really oh. was. It was, it was terrifying. And, you know, and I was just like, um, hormones were all over the place. I was still nursing. I was home. You know, my husband worked like an hour away. I didn't, I was just like home alone with the baby, like literally losing my mind. And, um, and you know, he took some time off to take care of me, but I started having panic attacks. It was just like this terrible, terrible time. And, um, and so I was hospitalized for a few days, um, with postpartum psychosis. I, I had just a psychotic episode, which is, um, weird. And, uh, (laughs) particularly for someone who spent a lot of her career thinking about what's real and what isn't to kind of, um, have this break in perception that was just so drastic, um, was one shattering, but also, um, really fascinating. And I feel like I actually learned a lot about, myself and how the world works in that time you know kind of like the way people talk to me about like hallucinogenic drugs is like you have this kind of trip and then you come down but all the insights like you discover something about the world and wow but the insight remains Hmm. that's sort of how I feel about this whole experience like I, I had some insights about myself and about the world that have kind of stuck with me but anyway, so so that was just I, I came through. I spent you know a few months in in intensive outpatient therapy, and then another year talking to my own therapist. And I was just so depressed after that. I I felt like mm. I moved across the country. I didn't have any like friends or family around. I quit this wonderful job that I loved in New York. I felt like I'd lost my connection to philosophy. I was teaching at this private high school, um, teaching history, and it wasn't really a good fit for me. And I just felt totally lost. And yeah. um, and doing this philosophical coaching thing, I'd actually been certified in philosophical counseling way back in 2011, because it was this thing that I had discovered and just thought it was the coolest thing ever to think that we could use philosophy to talk to everyday people about everyday problems and help them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it was really the only thing I could think to do that didn't make me want to cry. <laughs> it was like the only thing I could think that would give me a sense of my old self again and make me feel connected to this discipline that I love doing something that actually serves people in a way that feels tangible. So I started this coaching practice um, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, and now that's what I do. It's working. It's shocking, but it's working. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's incredible. My gosh. And you know, the postpartum struggle is so incredibly real. Yeah. And that is just, it's your story just brings up all of the like feelings as you talk about it. I, I had, I didn't have psychosis, um, but I had a, definitely a breakdown 
um, seven months after my son was born. And apparently, like you, you know, it's a bad idea to work a couple jobs while trying to raise a kiddo while being home by yourself. Like that's just, that's just a bad idea. So if you're contemplating that people don't do that, that's, that's not good. That's not going to lead to good outcomes. Yeah. I think the thing that I really learned and all that is how important it is to really have that community. You know, we, we, as everyone says, we're supposed to raise children in a village, which just doesn't exist for us these days in the same way. And so I think women often end up blaming themselves when things don't um, work out or when they struggle, but really they're kind of set up for failure. I mean, our, our institutions in this country are abysmal when it comes to parental care and that new infant childcare stage. You know, we don't have any parental paid leave mandated. Most people do not have time off work. Um, you know, there's this like 12 week unpaid for one partner, but it's, it's really just not sufficient. And, um, and culturally, I think we don't take care of new mothers and new parents the way that we ought to. So a lot of women, really struggle with this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, since I've started doing this work and I've gone back and I, I work with new and expectant moms now um, about the transition to parenthood, you know, like what does it mean to make a human being? I feel like it's the most richly philosophical question that there is, but I've been going back and doing a lot of training in the postpartum period. And, you know, there's so many women that struggle in this postpartum period. Um, and and fathers too, you know, people, Mm -hmm. parents of all sorts. And, um, and I think we have so little attention and value and research done, uh, when it comes to women's health in general. And similarly, when it comes to mental health, I mean, you know, the medical establishment just knows so little (laughs) about Mm -hmm. these things and especially their intersection. Um, so, it's not for women who are struggling. I, I always try and remind them that it's not just a you problem. It's a social problem. Oh, yes, it is. And we are set up to fail. fail. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, like finding your, your tribe of people is yeah. so hard, especially because so much of our lives are online. And it's, yeah. it's one thing to have that online supportive community, but quite another to have yeah. it in person. Did you end up finding like people that could just support you, like your tribe of people? Yeah, I did. Um, definitely. Some of those people I met, you know, when I was, um, kind of in the outpatient or I just kind of finished the outpatient program. I was like, I gotta go, I gotta get out of the house. I gotta go meet some people. (laughs) Um, and, and luckily, I mean, my mother came and stayed with us for about a month and then my mother-in-law came for the, the next month. And so we just had like more help around the house. Um, which was really just so needed in part because I was like literally afraid to be at home by myself with the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to just have someone else there, I mean, as you say, the online community is nice, but like they can't hold your kid when you need to take a nap or take a shower, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the kinds of things that we need as new parents. So yeah. And then I found, um, I just found a bunch of other friends who now I feel much more secure and more um, stable in my community. But, you know, moving to a new city is really one of the risk factors for these kind of postpartum complications because you're isolated. You're already isolated as a new parent. And then to be isolated even further is just like so um, challenging and, and sometimes dangerous for people. Yeah. 
It's so true. Like, it's just, it's so important to have those in-person connections. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even in the last few years, especially in Portland, which is where we live, um, there has been a big increase in social support for new moms. Like I've seen a huge jump in that, which has been fantastic. Because even when I had my son five years ago, there were very few resources. There was like Baby Blues and La Leche League. Mm -hmm. And it took me forever to get plugged into the support that he needed. And so I love that that is something that we're talking about. We're raising the conversation and saying, hey, this is a thing that that women need. It's so important. Yeah. And I do think that the the conversation around motherhood in particular, um, not only new parenthood, but motherhood in particular, is really... um, finally coming to the public sphere. You know, there are a lot of people who are not only, as you say, these more kind of like networks happening and more resources happening, but also just more public conversation about the experience of motherhood as like being really complicated, being really complicated and not, um, and sort of trying to break down these simplistic idealized versions of motherhood that are just Mm. like, you know, it's supposed to be puppies and rainbows and like good feelings all the time. And if you don't feel this overwhelming love and satisfaction with your life, that somehow you're failing. Um, and now, you know, in the last five years, people are really, really complicating those things, um, which I think is great because it makes us all feel a little less alone. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your work with looking at the philosophical side of motherhood, like what does that look Mm. like for you? Yeah. I mean, as I said, I think that like creating a human being is like the most profound philosophical (laughs) thing that you could do. Right. Right? (laughs) And it just like boggles my mind that we have not been talking about it that way. Like Mm. people don't talk about it that way. And, And I really, the more I do this work, the more I really feel like this moment in motherhood, this sort of like new parent moment is really like ground zero for like the capitalist patriarchy to express itself. It's just Mm -hmm. like this moment of such vulnerability, not only for the birthing parent, but also for this new life that has come into the world that is And this moment is so undervalued in our culture. You know, if this child is not immediately like making money or like somehow like contributing to society in terms of like increasing our GDP, then somehow we're not valuing this moment and it becomes this like women's work. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, same, same reason educators are not valued in our, in our culture as they should be. And so part of it is just like, bringing attention and bringing value to this moment in human existence. Like this is not just like a lady thing. This is like how human Mm. beings begin (laughs) all of us everywhere. And we ought to be paying attention to it. So like, that's the very first thing for me is just like, this is the beginning of human life. All human experiences, all experiences of happiness or joy or pleasure or sorrow or art or music or money or whatever, they all start with this moment of new Mm. life. And we need to like own that more as a culture. So that's like the first thing. Um, I also 
so much of it for me is, is thinking about the shift in the identity of, of the mother or of the person, you know, giving birth. It's like, and saying that, that I recognize that not all people who give birth identify as mothers, but like that kind of, um, that there's this embodiment, you know, the experience of embodiment where you just like understand what it means to be a body in a totally different way. Hmm. You understand what it means to like be in your life a totally different way. When you become a parent, all of your priorities shift and people say that, you know, like, Oh, it's like nothing you'll ever do. It'll change your life. Mm-hmm. But then like no one else. I mean, I find that like people can't articulate it further than that. You know, like, well, it'll change your life. How? Like, Oh, and people don't quite know. They're like, well, you can't, you can't know unless you have a kid. You just can't know, which I think is, is partly true. But I do think there are ways to talk about it that articulate some of those changes in, um, and link them to broader questions about the human experience that philosophers have been thinking about for like thousands of years. Like, what is identity? What does it mean to be a person? What does it mean to exist? Like, is existence a does it come with like a purpose? It does, is there like a destiny for people or is there not? What does it mean to value, to have your value shift or your priorities shift? What does it mean to have responsibility for another person? What does it mean to have responsibility for a person that's going to die someday? And you have to kind of like live with that. And you know that you might die someday. And what is your relationship? It's like all of these questions that I think there's so much rich material here um, that mm-hmm. I help people explore because I think we all think about these things in the back of our heads but don't quite know how to talk about them and feel very isolated when we think them right I I I taught this motherhood course it's called the meaning of motherhood um and there were you know 12 people in a room 12 women and we talked about this idea of like fear of death as being just this thing that's right at the surface when you Mm -hmm. have a child and everyone in the room was like, oh my God, me too. Oh my God, I think about death all the time. I think about me dying. I think about the child dying. And I feel like uh, totally freaked out by this. And I think even just normalizing that as part of the experience is important. Mm-hmm. And in saying that like, look, motherhood is not all puppies and rainbows. It's about like dealing with like existential angst like the very meat of what it means to be a human being in a way that is so visceral that you feel like you can't sleep at night you know yes yes i know so much what you're talking about i'm over here i've got crazy goosebumps true like you're i mean and it's not even not only like the philosophical things but like the shifts that happen like even to your to your person like you're inability to get like as deep of sleep mm-hmm. because you're always listening. Yes. And how in social situations, your anxiety is so much higher. I think new moms, moms mm-hmm. and anxiety is something that we think, yes. well, that's just like extreme cases of like postpartum depression, but no, it's like your new normal is like yes. this level of anxiousness. Like my kids learning to ride a bike and it seriously, I have to like do my essential oils and deep breathe as he's on a bike. He's got training wheels. He's, if he falls off, he's going like 0.00 miles an hour, but it's still like my anxiety because it's, that's like a piece of our body. Like a part of our, our being is like outside of our bodies, but we don't talk about that. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think that that anxiety response is like, it is the, I need to keep this, this child safe. It is Mm -hmm. both like, it's, it's that kind of instinctual evolutionary, like, this is how we keep this person safe. But also it like, what does it do to our state of being in the world? Right? How do we function differently? Yeah. And how do we practice that with like self-compassion too? Yes. Because the instant reaction is like, okay, I know he's fine. Like, this is just me trying to keep him safe. But like, yeah, what, what does that do? Because it's like over and over and over again, daily assaults on like your, your, not only your central nervous system, but also just like your heart and like your, your soul. And just like, it's so easy to jump into the berating because we're much more comfortable with beating ourselves up than we are with like exploring the philosophical side and asking questions and extending grace and compassion. And so I'm curious, like, how does that, like, how does philosophy meet grace and compassion? And like, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Well, as you were talking, I was thinking a lot about, um, Buddhist philosophy. I've done a lot of work with meditation and I've done a lot of teaching around Buddhist philosophy. And I think that parenthood in particular is a way of really getting in touch with this Buddhist idea of paying attention Mm. and, um, and being curious. And I mean that not only about, you know, all of these kind of abstract conceptual things that I've, I've talked about already, but in the very simple being curious and paying attention to our bodies as they react, right? You watch your son riding the bike and you're like freaked out and like, Oh my God, is he going to go into the street? What's he going to fall? And like, you feel your heart rate going and you feel your jaw clench and whatever your, your physical responses are. I think that this is, um, it's a way of like really paying attention to like, what happens to my body when the stress response comes? Mm. Is there a way of um, observing it without perpetuating this like storyline of of destruction? Right, like yes, worst case scenario. Right, <gasps> and and it can I stay present with this moment mm. as I watch my child? learn how to ride a bike and like what are all the things that I'm feeling and maybe some of it's anxiety but maybe some of it is just like excitement and pride and the beauty of watching a child grow up and away and the heartbreak of that and all of those things are part of that moment too and I think that um, this this practice of paying attention to ourselves really paying attention to the moment in front of us is a way of helping ourselves stay grounded Mm. and also of living more fully. Because if we can be in that moment, instead of imagining the car coming and hitting the kid, right? If we can just be in this moment of risk and of excitement and of, of beauty, like our lives become richer, That's part of, I think, of what people mean when they say like having kids helps them slow down or experience life more fully. Because I think that we're forced we're forced to do those things if we want to like keep our sanity. You know, Mm -hmm. like if we if we're not going to like have a heart attack, we have to talk ourselves down. And one way of doing that is really just being present with ourselves. Mm, And I love that you use the word curiosity. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like we're so quick to judge, but instead just staying curious, having that lightness of introspection. And that does help you to stay present with what's happening because they, you know, there's the saying that, you know, depression comes from looking behind and anxiety comes from looking ahead. And so being able to stay present and stay curious and ask yourself those questions about what's really my experience here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think curiosity for me is, has always been like a really key virtue because Mm. I think that it's, it's, um, you know, as a philosopher, I'm always curious, like what, what is the thing behind the thing, right? What's the identity, all of these, like I said, big abstract philosophical questions, but it's also that curiosity of like, what is happening for me right now in this moment? And I think that that curiosity in general can just like help us experience life in much bigger and richer ways. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Curiosity is, I just keep getting this phrase in my head. I'll just be straight up honest with everybody. Curiosity killed the cat. And I'm trying in my head to like, I'm like, where did that even come from? But it is, it's so true. Like curiosity is so, it's undervalued and it's, there's so much richness, like you said, to be found in being curious and asking questions like what is motherhood? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is this thing we're all doing? Like what? Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say something about that curiosity killed the cat thing. Right. Because Tell I think me. that, that, um, that's a warning, right? The other thing about curiosity is that it, it also is a tool to, to undo those in power, right? If you ask too many mm. questions, people in power don't want, don't want you to no, right? And so it, it's part of, you know, as a lifelong educator, I do think that that knowledge does and can change things. And yes. you know, that knowledge is power. And the more questions you ask, the more you might get in trouble with the powers that be. But but I think that that's what we ought to be doing. So again, curiosity is this tool, not only of like, looking at ourselves in the universe for our own general sense of wellness and satisfaction, but also asking questions about what is good and right and just in our society, in our culture for all of us. Um, And when we, you know, it's why like people, the very cynical people say that those in power don't want an educated population because then they might make choices that are in their own best interests. Um, So for me, like, again, philosophy and education is just like so key to structuring our own lives better, but to make a better better society for all of us. I couldn't agree more at all. So tell us a little bit about the groups that you run. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I have a, um, my coaching practice has a couple different angles to it. I have um, uh, one-on-one sessions, just, it's sort of like, it uh, feels a little bit just like talk therapy. You would come have a session with me. We'd talk for an hour um, about, you know, whatever it is that you're dealing with. Um, I also um, teach this course called The Meaning of Motherhood, and that's a four-week mm-hmm. series, and you can come and sign up for that, and it's um, maximum of right now about 12 people in a group um, and you come and connect with other people to ask these questions more specifically about 
motherhood. And mm-hmm. each of the four weeks has a different theme. You know, we think about the transition to motherhood and the cultural messagings about what it means to be a good mom or bad mom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we think about this, which is a whole week in itself. I was and like, that's like a whole course just right there. I know. We go down, you know, I ask people to look up on social media, like, you know, hashtag hashtag bad mom, what what kind of posts do you see? What does that mean in our cultural conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we think about this question of vulnerability and, um, and how that causes us to think about our lives a little bit differently. And, and we think about just the kind of wisdom that we gain through this experience of motherhood. So that's the course. And I really love doing that course. Um, and then I also teach group coaching uh, sessions, which are not specifically about motherhood, but those are kind of little like mini philosophy courses. So Ooh. for example, we did one, I did one on motherhood or um, excuse me, on curiosity. <laughs> um, so, and I talked about like, what is curiosity? Why should we have it? Why, why would we avoid curiosity? Um, what are some tools that we can use to be more curious in our lives? And we do kind of like a little mini conversation about that and people ask and answer questions and do some reflections. I ask people to write a little something and that's like an hour and a half and you can kind of come to one of those at a time if you want to. And so those are the group coaching sessions and each, each one is a different theme and I really love doing those too. Oh, I can tell. And it's so great this work that you're doing. I think it's so important especially in this day where motherhood is just reduced to stressed out, crazy women who are dependent on wine. Like, I feel like that's the epitome of motherhood is like, mom needs a drink. Yeah. Like that just, at least in my social circle, it feels like that is just like what we're being reduced to and it's infuriating. And so I love this idea of looking at, okay, well, what does it really mean and how, how can we grow in our compassion and understanding and curiosity of what it means to be a mom and a woman and a mother? I mean, oh, there's so much there. Yeah. And I think a big part of it too is just, um, it really is just kind of growing this compassion for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all love our children so much and we want the best for them. And I think the theme that I keep seeing the more mothers I talk to is this fear of like, I'm so, I'm so afraid I'm going to screw up my kids. Right. (sighs) Which then (laughs) my hands in the air right here. (laughs) Right. And so I think that really just like gets to the heart of this, like, am I good enough to be to be a mom, to mother my kids. Will they love me in the same way I love them? Will they want to be in my life? Because I can't guarantee that in the future. And they get to tell a story about me that I don't have control over. And how do I do this? And how will I make sure that they live well? And you know, all of these questions are really questions about your own confidence and your ability to be a human in the world and to teach another human how to be a human in the world. And that really gets to like the fundamental questions about ourselves, our sense of our own um, self-compassion and our ability to be attentive and our ability to enjoy life. And it's all of these like most foundational parts of what it means to be human. And I just think that we need to honor that and we need to tell women that it's good to think about these things and you are not alone and you Hmm. are not always screwing up and like, live in your power. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. What a perfect place to wrap up, to live in your power, to know that you're doing a good thing and that you're doing it right. There's no wrong way to do this. And you're just showing up and loving yourself is so critical and loving your little people is so important. Yeah. And that, you know, this culture does not, is not always kind to mothers. And I think that we, one of the things that I aim to do is to help moms figure out like a way to define motherhood for themselves that feels like it's not just like mama needs wine or, you know, oh, I love every moment of being a mother all the time. It's like, what does authentic motherhood look like to you? And how can you talk about that to yourself and to other people in a way that feels um, that feels like it's honoring your your specific way of being a mom and your specific way of being in the world? Mm, yes, girl. Preach it. Oh, I could listen to you all day. Where can people find you on the internet webs? Um, you can find me at my website, daniellelasusa.com. Um, and you can also, I have a podcast of my own called Think Hard. So you can go to thinkhardpodcast.com and you can listen to me and my, my buddy from grad school, Jose Muniz, talk about all sorts of different stuff there as well. So cool. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, just for opening up this conversation and for sharing your story and for giving people permission to really practice that curiosity and compassion. I love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, Kim. It was a lot of fun. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Captivatingly Confident. I am so excited that you're here and investing in yourself. If you want to learn more about Captivatingly Confident, you can visit my website, captivatinglyconfident.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at kim.ludeman. Thank you so much for hanging out today. If you would like to, I invite you to subscribe to the show and also to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Every single review means so, so much to me, and it helps to get the word about Captivatingly Confident out and to help change women's lives. I'll see you next time.